We banked 40, 50, some guys banked a little higher percent. The VIX is really headed down. So daddy's got a bunch of cash, just holding some cash. A lot of, we call that dry powder. I like that. Dry powder. I like it. the The readers all have dry powder and we're just sitting back. We're sitting back. We're sitting back, you know, and I think we're going to get a nice little sell off here soon. So I'm excited. Dude, I really like dry powder. I think that's exciting. Dry powder is the key. Gotta have it. purposes only. You'd be an idiot to listen to anything these degenerates say. Invest at your own risk, do research, but seriously don't listen to these ass clowns. Now enjoy Cash Daddies. And welcome to Cash Daddies, where banking fetties. Join me as always. Jay Nice, Johnny Woodard, and how we do it. Bum, 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 bum. Oh, how- we doing right now, cash daddies? Yeah, what do you want? Why? The fuck was that? Jeez. Start okay, over? I'm recording. Okay. Do you want to start over? No. How are you, Howie? I'm good, my man. Good. What's new? Oh, not much, man. Fast weekend. Got the holidays Fast coming up. Weekend, bro. Fast, Fast weekend. Movies. Fast. We got Thanksgiving nah. coming up this week. We got a little football. Got what are you going to do for Thanksgiving? My Knicks are rolling. Nice. Nice. Clippers, Clippers, look, like Clippers look loaded, man. Look like fire, bro. Fire. We're having a great week. A lot of great shits going on. Young Christian warriors everywhere. Had a great weekend doing stand-up. All my shows were packed. And uh, I was very blessed, man. I had a great week. I had a great week. Johnny, how was your week? How's how's it being back in racist North Carolina? Now, why, why would you say that about the fair state of North Carolina? The old North state, as we call it here. We have... I, I don't even know where you would get that from. We have no history of racism. We've never done anything uh, racist in the state ever. Uh, no, I'm glad to be back. It's good. I'm on the farm, you know, out in God's country, breathing the clean air that men and women everywhere were meant to breathe, not the smoggy oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Do you smell clogged. freedom, bro? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's absolutely the smell of freedom. Yeah. Still can what get Twitter, though. That's the most important thing. Oh, we, we, my dad trains horses. We got a bunch of horses. We have cows. You know, maybe 100 head of cattle, uh, chickens, dogs, a bunch of dogs. I don't even know how many dogs wow. we have. We don't eat the dogs, though. You eat the fresh eggs from the chickens? No, no, no. These are chickens that you uh, eat, not the eggs. Oh, Johnny, you, you dude, rude, bro. You, 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 you ever cut bro. the heads off and watch them run around with headless? I've seen that oh, before. I've that. absolutely seen that before, yeah. It's kind of cool. Johnny, which kind of chicken is the best to have sex with? Oh, Sam. What are you are you are you asking because you're interested? Is that what that is? Is that genuine yeah, I'm curiosity? Interested. Okay. All right. Is it yeah, chicken better than, chicken better than a horse? 
Yeah, well, now horses are that, that's a dangerous. A that's dangerous. Path. Horse is dangerous. There are people who've done that. I mean, you really? know. Well, I mean, what are you talking about? Mr. Hands or whatever? What's the guy's name? Remember that video that went around yeah. of that guy dying? Yeah, this is definitely a weird episode so far, guys. How was your week in terms of because well, you asked us like five questions <laughs> that had nothing to do with I know. I asked the weird questions, money. bro. I asked the Sam money. the Freak. Sam the freak. Um, yeah, I mean it was a it was a good week. Last week we uh we absolutely crushed it with uh made money buying puts on a great stock, Caterpillar. For you new people listening, a puts where we actually hope the stock goes down. We hope it drops. And it did. It dropped. We banked 40, 50, some guys banked a little higher percent. Um and we got a light week list this week. A lot of really light volume. The VIX is really headed down. So daddy's got a bunch of cash, just holding some cash. A lot of, we call that dry powder in the Patreon. I and, like uh, that. Dry powder. I like and, it. The readers, the readers all have dry powder and we're just sitting back. We're sitting back. We're sitting back, you know, and I think we're going to get a nice little sell off here soon. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Dude, I really like dry powder. I think that's exciting. Dry powder is the key. You gotta have it. You gotta have it. Johnny, you well, how's your week? Did you invest anything? I traveled this week. No, I didn't have time to do any. No time to invest. What about I'll you? Did you invest any this week, Sam? Yeah, I'm. I mean, while I'm engaging in investing, what, uh, what, what does that mean? What that means is that I am uh, talking to some people about buying either a house or and a ranch. A ranch? Now that's cool. This guy wants me to buy his ranch. Now, when you say ranch, you're not talking about a ranch house like a one level brick house. You're talking about a ranch with with acres. You need yeah, to, water, you need to make sure you ask. You need to get somebody who knows what questions to ask before you buy a ranch. Like get somebody who you trust who knows about ranches because those can be money pits, dude. Yeah, yeah you gotta have, you gotta have all kinds of weird weird taxes in California on ranches and stuff. They're very oh really a, a, yeah agriculture hostile. You have to Johnny, you know, I'm out. I'm out. You just convinced me. But well, I'm you just out. gotta you just gotta know. It might not be. I don't know. It depends on how big it is. The acreage, what the water, like how the water flows through there. It's a lot of yeah. Just, water source is key. Where is it? Is it in California? Because you have no yeah, water there anyway. It is in California. It is in California. So it's it basically be. a sand ranch. It could be great. It could be great. There's supposedly a lot of water there. There's a lot of like animals. There's water. Where's that water come from, Sam? There's no water out there. The Lord. There's no water out there. What, the what do you mean there's no water? What do you mean you there's got, no water? You got no water in California. You got salt water. You got water. What are you talking about? We got tons of water. How he's worried, always worried about water, where the water's coming from. Yeah, up. I mean, Howie definitely is that. You want to have fun, take Howie to Arizona and just watch his mind explode. <laughs> that was the fakest place I've ever been to in my life, man. There was no water. There was They colored the cactuses, the cacti. They colored them different. They spray painted them different colors. And That's incredible. In That's the mountains incredible. in the background, that was just a, a painting. You could tell. So, uh, what have you been? What What'd you do this week, Howie? Uh, what were some of the stocks you liked? What were some of the stocks you didn't like? Uh, well, guys, what do you guys think about Apple maybe kicking Twitter off its uh, 
off its uh, app stores. I mean, come on, man. What's going I mean, on? Let's, let's real quick. I gave a stock last week. I said I'm back on the DSX. DSX, uh, which was oh, trading. Oh, you like, doing those drugs again, bro? You got it. was trading at four dollars and eight cents, and you should have brought some, Sam, because we it shot up to four forty four, and it's it just shot up the day after. I mean, a bunch of the readers bought it, so we made some coin on that. But let's talk about it. What's the deal with? What do you think about Twitter right now? What's this thing? It, nobody has any idea what the hell's going on with Elon Musk. I love Twitter. I love it, is, it right now. It's yeah, but what's the, the deal? Is it, it going to be around? Kind of well, I, you keep hearing that it's dying, but it's just, I mean, it's as busy as I've ever seen it. They're more, this is popping like it's never been popping before. Here's the thing, man. They, he, he laid off a bunch of people. They had way too many employees. And now By the way, he's, all he's, female, a ton of females. So obviously it's working better. And he's asked them to do this thing that has offended so many of them so deeply. And here's what it is. Just at the end of the week, to tell their bosses what they did that week. And that's really pissing a lot of people off at Twitter. A lot of them quit because they didn't want to send an email saying what they'd done that week. Because And then he, you had all these remote workers that had they were doing jack shit. You know how it is. People get sent home. You're not doing any work. And they weren't doing anything. So he said, you got to come into the office to work. And now, and so many of them quit because of that. I saw a story this week. I got it right here. Hold on. That companies are losing millions of dollars because these workers that say they're working, they're actually what they're called stealth workers. And they're working in the other states where the taxes are like, they're saying, oh, I'm in Texas, you know, I'll work for your company. But they're actually working in California where the businesses aren't licensed, you know, they aren't registered as businesses. So the, one company said it, it lost like $10 million to these stealth workers. And that's what a what? lot of these guys were working for Twitter. They weren't even near the headquarters of Twitter That's or the, the office where they were supposed to be reporting to. They didn't even live in well, the same they state. they had to pay taxes there? Is that what it is? Yeah, where they work. Yeah, because that's like their business is in that state. So and what that you had the same thing with Twitter, dude. That's what one of the big reasons you got so many people, ex-employees complaining is because they were cashing big fat checks in a state that they weren't even supposed to be in. It's all BS, man. Oh, I didn't know that. That's crazy. I I wonder, I wonder though. I wonder what's he gonna do about employees, new employees, if he's hiring. Uh, no one see, really seems to know as far as where their sales are going. They're, that that type of thing. I mean, company hasn't made any money. Yeah, well, that was that was always Twitter's problem, though. Yeah, yeah, they weren't making any money. I mean, and yeah, that's, I mean, they just were just have a to, propaganda tool. He's going to have to downsize. Happening that's going away right now, and people are freaking out for all these different reasons. And I bet you there's a lot of heat coming on Apple right now. Because well, Apple, where did you see that? I didn't. I the only thing I yeah, saw Google, was that Apple, Phil. Google, I, well, I, the only the only thing that came up that I saw was Phil Schiller, the you know who works for Apple. Was like the what the the. Uh, one of the App Store execs, maybe the App Store exec, he deleted his account. But I haven't seen any evidence that they're actually thinking of pulling it. Well, there's, there's all kinds that... of crazy shit on there. Well, somebody says that Apple's terms of agreement, terms of service, could come into conflict. Well, the main thing is, is oh, really? it, you know, Musk is it kind of he's he's at war with Twitter right now, and it's basically he's trying to find new sources of revenue. Um, and basically the one company that stands in his way is Apple. Uh, uh, that's what I'm looking at right here. Um, yeah. Tim Cook, who's the CEO of Apple, he snubbed Tesla. Um, 
what last July when he when he was talking? Oh about- yeah, when it had to do with uh, he asked if they wanted to buy his cars. Yes, he's like, yes. He's like nope, we're gonna make our own. Oh yeah. well, he yeah, he also said that they weren't he they didn't really like the styling is what he suggested. Yeah, the innovation. So, I mean, basically they're kind of going at it right now. I mean, I don't know. It's just my whole thing is this: I don't give a shit who the CEO of of Twitter is. You got to find a, a source of income, of revenue, of sales, and if you can't do that, I don't give fucking. It could be Jesus and Allah running the company; it's still going to go bankrupt. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I never really understood Twitter's business model. I well, mean, I, I mean, you know, you know, I mean, it's serving ads is what it is. It's serving ad, ads. ads. Yeah. Um, they just know, have man. to convince advertisers. They either have to convince the current advertisers and corporate advertisers that they will find a way to only serve their ads in places that won't make them look stupid, like not next to crazy conspiracy theories and shit like that. Or they have to find new advertisers that are okay with that. Dude, this is the funniest thing. And I hate talking about the same story across my podcast, but I just got done doing Conspiracy Social Club. And we just got the notion, the notion, okay? That companies don't want to be associated with negative news in 2022 is hilarious with all this cultural Marxism going on right now. Johnny, we talk about it all the time on my other other podcasts, right? But have you seen this thing about Tampax? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, my God, dude. What is it? Look up Tampax and Dylan. Dylan? There's a there's like, a hashtag on Twitter. Go to Twitter. Oh, Dylan put in Okay, I got it right here. Tampax boycott or boycott Tampax. Did Tampax hey, really reach out to Dylan Mulvaney for a collaboration on TikTok? Let's see. Um, hold on. Most of these are TikToker Dylan Mulvaney set to make a million dollars from endorsements. Uh, is saying that do? perhaps Tampax is, is one of those. Is that is that what, what am yes. I looking for here? Can you tell well, me? Well, it's 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 fluid state, I think it's called. We just discussed it. It's along the lines of something called fluid state. And it's what is, who is Dylan the, Mulvaney? I don't know who that is. Is that a trans he, person? Yeah. He he was in oh, the Book okay. of Mormon super. I mean, like, listen, this is in the Book people, of Mormon. What part did they God. what part did they play in the Book of Mormon? He played one of the Mormons who were obviously gay. But it, okay, that's whatever. so he's gonna he's he's pushing uh Tampax. Was he gonna fire he's one up his ass? Transitioning to a woman and Tampax is wants to sponsor him. So the whole point of this retarded rant I just went on is that the notion that advertisers don't want to be associated with stupid is hilarious. Now Dylan was at the comedy store before. He's friends with Eleanor Kerrigan. So he was there. Nice person. Very nice person. Very energetic. Super funny. Uh, but is obviously just cashing checks and breaking necks right now. And just Ooh. is being used as a tool to divide. It's beyond interesting. But hey. like, it's so funny to listen to these corporations. We don't want to be associated with this stuff. And then they're like, dude, this guy's going to fucking, this person with a dick is going to be our spokesman for tampons. Well, I, wait. Oh, okay. Okay. This is, 
This is so confusing. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out. I mean, there's just I can't find any credible like descript or like a good description of what the what is going on. Okay. Okay. Now I'm gonna have to fight everybody. No, what I mean, it's just it's a lot of like blogs and stuff talking about it, but they can't tell if it's actually a thing. And yeah, then one go down, you can find it. Hold on. It's oh, here it is. Okay. Trans woman complains Tampax uh claims Tampax involved. Heavy lies the crown, crown of my frown, crown on my frown. This is uh from a while ago, but Dylan and Jeffrey Marsh, both biological males, are now sponsored by Tampax. And look up this fluid project, which uh, the fluid project, which is P H L U I D project. Okay, this was an older, older tweet. Is this a business? I mean, are we talking? Is this <laughs> is this an investment thing we're talking about here? What are we talking about here? Fluid. Okay, fluid. okay. Tampax. Did Tampax reach out? It says no. Okay, point, Johnny. No, I, what do you, I mean, I wasn't saying. I just can't find anything about it. The only thing I can find is this, Sam, and it's a it's a post of like it's like a comedy post from Dylan's count where he's like, when Tampax offers to sponsor you, but you don't have a pussy, <laughs> uh, and it's like his head like floating around in space and him smiling. Hey, how did you just? How did you just? Um, bleep yourself in real time. Well, that's he didn't spell the word out. He just put a picture of a cat emoji. So I did the actual like the mouth version of that. Oh wow, Johnny, you're advanced. Yeah, when you don't have a pussy, put the tampon up your ass. Well, that's what I didn't know if this is like a trans person, like yeah. that's got bottom surgery because those things do bleed apparently, but oh, not like regularly, but just from. That. Don't even get into that, Johnny. So, hey, what do you guys think about uh, today was the first day in federal court for BTX, the bankruptcy? FTX, FTX. right? Uh, FTX. And yeah. and they come out and basically the attorneys say, yeah, this could take five to seven years. Amazing. Uh, there's, there's a million people with their hands out. A million. Um, and nobody's going to get paid shit. No, yeah. no one's yeah. they're not getting anything. It's gone. The money's yeah. gone. Well, and yeah. you have the own their own the counsel for the new management at FTX. This is this was their quote. Your Honor, what we have is a worldwide organization that was run effectively as the personal fiefdom of Sam Bankman Fried. And that's that's FTX's attorney saying that. So let me ask you that this. Okay, so you're the new management at FTX. Why are you taking this job? Like they're getting paid. How much can you be getting paid right now? They're getting paid something. I guarantee it. Yeah. I mean, like it's good money for for those people who come in. You think they walk down to the local Burger King going, "Hey, you got any managers available? We need somebody to run this company." <laughs> but I mean, they. I, mean, I guarantee you, they're getting paid before anybody else does. Those people. And there's no uh, shit. There's 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 even no information on who or what is managing anything. I mean, you, you don't really know. Uh, but this judge, I guess, it's looking over the case. I guess this is the worst thing he's ever seen. This is so bad. This ass clown basically just robbed people, point blank robbed them, and he's in the Bahamas still. So I, I don't know why. Video that they God, I just keep talking about the same stories. But there's a video of him running with a backpack on into his uh condo. Dude, on YouTube. How, how do we not? How is he not arrested? 
you can we have an extradition thing with the Bahamas. I don't could, think we do. The Bahamas? Do I would I'm think so because sure. that's that's part of Great Britain. Like yeah. right. Hell yeah. I mean Yeah, 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 yeah. You no, know, what's crazy is anyone that was affiliated with pushing that thing, with with pushing FTX, like Brady, Tom Brady and Giselle did commercials. Well, they're getting sued. They're getting sued millions. I mean, Brady's got a lawyer up right now. Not only the fact that he lost 90% of his net worth, now he's getting sued by everybody. For what about the fact that Steph Curry's involved with this and a trainer, Steph Curry, just got accused of rape? I mean, like, poor Steph's got to be like, what is going well, on? Well, that's not his trainer. That that was an NBA trainer. That's like, uh, that's just all the NBA players work with that guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but he did work with him. Yeah. Yeah, one-on-one. I saw that. I mean, I don't know what to say. It's it's he says, she says, but I mean, I'd like to know what Curry had invested in FTX. I'm, I'm sure it was a few mil. Yeah, me too. Can we right, can I we mean, talk that's... about one other thing that we kind of didn't talk about last week? I don't know. Yeah. Disney brought back Bob Iger, which is just, I mean, talk about rewinding the clock. Uh, so interesting. There was kind of mutiny. Wall Street, Wall Street loves it. Wall yeah. Street loves it. I mean, he loves what? The winner. This new CEO for Disney. He's a beast. Yeah, but I mean, is he a scumbag that brought in all the uh, the yes. woke shit that's driven it uh, into the ground? No, that's not. What no, he, no, that's that's the person who got fired. But they're bringing back Bob Iger, who was a guy bef- before, you know, it's and oh. had had some success. But it's it's just it's it's just interesting because you rarely see a, them like reverse course like this, uh, and he's got a mess on just, his hands. Just well, like but, your, uh, just like your uh, Hornets. But Bob Iger has the reputation. He's got the reputation of being an animal. I mean, he's turned companies yeah. around. That's what he does. I mean, as soon as that announcement was made, the stock went up eight percent. So Wall Street likes it. Yeah, I just Probably, thought that was interesting. Yeah, I think there'll be some buying on Diz. Um, pop, popped eight nine percent. Was up to ninety six ninety seven at one point today. I'll tell you what's interesting is the you see all those commercials on TV for SoFi. The uh, mm. online internet banking company, and now basically Congress is like, we need to look into SoFi to even see if they have fucking assets that are worth anything. Really? I mean, yeah, because you know there, there's a rumor going around that SoFi was knee deep in all this crypto shit. Oh man! So. You imagine having your mortgage with SoFi and all of a sudden, you know, they don't have any money. That could be a situation. Imagine being SoFi Stadium and they haven't. Well, you I get mean, so at outstanding the, uh, checks. SoFi's at- trading at four bucks, about to go bankrupt. <laughs> Piece of shit. I'll tell you, like, Sam, what do you think? You know, as we're sitting here talking, Bitcoin just hit a two year low. Yeah. Bitcoin was in the 15s. Dude, it's if it, it goes down to let's say eight, I might buy a couple. I don't know, man. I I don't. I just don't know. I mean, it keeps dropping, and it's you know. I'll tell you what kills me. I I just laugh every day because I get pop ups on my Twitter of these hex tards, and still, and it, it makes me laugh to the point. This guy, Dickie Hart, comes out every day. He goes, I told you. I told you Bitcoin was going to drop to 16. I told you. Meanwhile, your piece of shit coin is two cents, dude. You've gone from 45 down to two cents. He never mentions it. He's fucking jamming. The, 
these you it blows my mind how these people just can't see how he, they're about to get bound. Um, the stuff that bound the, to the coins at two cents, and these people are like, "Well, I'm not worried because my money's staked for the next five or six years." Try pulling that out of there. Let's yeah. see what happens. Yeah, and then where's it gonna be in five or six years? Dude, he'll be in another planet. You'll be in, yeah, you won't see him with with walking around with women's Prada bags. Um, you know, skipping. Yeah, that's the worst part. It's like, why are you going down? I don't get it, man. I just why don't. are you like doing all that when it's obvious everything is crashing and burning? I mean, in his coin is down a lot more percentage-wise than Bitcoin. Way more. I mean, Hex is down 85% for the year. Hey, how can you be in an investment that's down 85% and be like, yeah, he's our fearless leader. He's going to save us. It's the just the the blindness is I can't fathom it. I don't understand it. You're down 85% for the year. I mean, you know, Bitcoin for the year, uh Bitcoin's down 70% for the year. 70%, which isn't good. That's an ass beating. I mean, if you got to find I mean, at Cash Daddy's here, the Patreon guys, they'll tell you. I mean, we're up we're up probably 40-50% for the year. Um but if you got a financial advisor and you have your money with him and he's telling you, "Hey, oh, it's a rough year. We're down 70%." You know, the stock market's down 25, but I'm down 71%. Dude, you're you're not gonna that guy's fired. He's fired on the spot. You're gonna get yeah. rid of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blows the common sense level is just it's it's every day. I just I I it blows my mind. Blows my mind. But that's why we got good, we got good readers, man. We got good Patreon members. They, these guys are doing the right thing, setting up Roth IRAs, setting up IRAs, asset allocation across the board. Um you know, and we're we're hanging with the S&P. We're beating the S&P. Oil and energy. Oil and energy is where it's at. Yes, that is where it's at. 100%. It is. Oil and energy is up, up. If you had your money in that for 2022, you're up 70%. You're up 70%. You're not down 70. You're up 70. You just own, own some oil and energy, man. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. unbelievable, dude. It is. Yeah. I mean, what do you think, Sam? Do you underneath it? What you do you think crypto is going to hang around? I think crypto will uh, come through eventually, eventually, because they want us on digital currency. Uh, but I think, like you've been saying for a while, a lot of this is going to go away. A lot of this is going to go away. How much of it do you? I think a lot of it depends on Coinbase and the success of Coinbase and other like serious exchanges. What do you think, Sam? Like, if Coinbase goes under, I can't see how. Yeah, it can I mean, last. But how are they going to get us on this one world currency if they keep destroying all the currency? Well, no, but that. What if that's the thing? What if they destroy all the currency and then they're like, "But we have one that's backed by the federal government." I just don't see anybody getting in on it. If it's if it's insured, if it's like FDIC insured, really? I, and then, I just really don't, to be honest with you. I just don't. I mean, I'm looking at the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which you oh, know yeah. institutions have bought that. GBTC, it's basically large crypto. 
And in the last month, it's gone from 13 down to eight. I mean, it was at 50, trading at 50. Now it's at eight. Um, so, I mean, how many of these big guys are going to keep this, their money in it? This is just a, a disaster. Crypto is a disaster right now. So, I don't know. I've heard some of these guys on, on TV talking about it, and they're just, they don't look good. They look like they haven't slept in months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They really do. I mean... The other day they had Novogratz on there who's got a ton of this shit. Ton of it. I can't imagine what he's lost. Um, and he was alive in it getting interviewed and he dropped the F bomb like six times and I don't think he knew it. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think he knew it. <clears throat> so he swore like three or four times and they were just like so bleep, 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 bleep. Yeah, he That's was pissed. Funny. I don't blame him. I mean, you know, you, you take something that you believe in, you know, and you, you put money that you've earned your entire life into that and it fails this quickly oh this is just this has been this ass beating has been like the last few months just miserable so you know a lot of people are pissed like you guys about not being able to get your your bitcoin out shit six months it may not matter i mean (laughs) you know god i don't even want to yeah, I mean, you're well. The thing here's the thing, though, Howie. I most of my money that's in in Celsius is in USDC, it's in stablecoin, so it's all still worth the same that it was. Oh, I'm, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's hurting me. It's so unbelievable. I mean, I just I can't. That's you know that's the thing. That's that's why you know if I own twenty stocks at a brokerage house or a bank, um, and uh, let's say the brokerage or the bank goes belly up. Uh, SIPC, it's still insured. I can still pull half a million out of there. I mean, that's, I guess that's the positive of of having a government, you know. It's, haven't had to do it yet, but if you needed to, everything is, it is insured. Um, How about all those strippers? They got their like fucking like Coinbase wallet. Uh, thing on their barcode on their leg tattooed it where you could just like send them. Oh, is that a real thing? That's so funny. Yeah. And they're just like, now they got this bad tattoo that isn't worth anything. I don't know, man. It's crazy. We'll see. I know a lot of the, you know, there's still a lot of Bitcoin maximists out there that still think it's going to be worth something. And we'll see, dude. I mean, we will see. It is crazy. Did you hit up Tim yet? See if he's coming. I did about ten minutes ago now. Yeah, eight minutes ago. Well, I will say this, Sam. From the beginning of this show, if you listen to Cash Daddies from the beginning of the show, I don't know how many times I've said on the show, your entire portfolio don't have more than five to eight percent in crypto, and and I've said that from the first day this show started. Don't put anything more than five to eight percent in crypto. You know, have Stocks, bonds, cash, real estate. Those are real tangible assets. You know, I mean, it's uh it's definitely painful. It's painful. I got a, I got a question for you, Howie. Um, I, I saw this story about how Weight Watchers stock jumped a bunch after the CEO bought sixty-three thousand shares. Can you can you explain why that happened? Is it just su- supply and demand? So they created the demand, like they created scarcity by buying them, or is it the signal that that sends? What, what why does that happen? 
Both. Both. You just nailed it, man. I mean, buying a ton of shares is going to push the price up. But more importantly, when guys like you and I, fucking Joe Blow sees that the CEO bought that much insider insider buying, he's, you know, he knows something. He likes the company. He thinks the company has uh, a lot of potential. So a lot of times when you see big insider buying, that's when institutions like to piggyback and jump on because that stock's going to go higher. All right. Uh, we got the guest here. If you guys want to go to yeah, that. Bring in Tim. Bring Tim in. Okay, guys, we're going to the guest. I'm very excited. Let's do it. Tim Picot. What? There Tim, how are you? Tim. Hey guys, how's it going? Hi, Tim. How do you pronounce your last name? Last name again, Tim? Pachote. Pachote, yeah. There we go. Close. Tim Pachote. Very excited. Very What's going excited. on, Tim? I read about you, man. I see you uh I read about your uh investment group. You used to work for LPL? Yeah, and they uh, wouldn't allow me to. So back in 2017, I was trying to get people to sell crypto into certain types of trusts when it was at a high. And uh, I was about to speak at Anarchapoco. They forbid every single uh, advisor in the company from talking about Bitcoin. And then I lost a uh, six-figure residual income for giving them a big F you and saying I'm not five years old. Yeah. What I can't talk about. So. Yeah. That's wild because that's 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 an independent, you know, independent brokerage and. Shit, I remember going through their situation. I mean, their headquarters in Boston, and I think they only had like one person behind the Chinese wall. They didn't have a lot of people um, involved because it was independent. So I'm surprised they didn't give you a little, little more uh, leeway. Well, they didn't care at all when, uh, like, so I started trying to do this like August 2017. So then all of a sudden, you know, by you know October, everyone in their grandma starts talking about it. And then they just put the kibosh on everyone talking about this. So, uh, yeah, they've got, I think they have about 18,000 reps. It's a great company, aside from the fact they forbid me from talking about crypto. And I'm like, you know, I, I and, and mainly I was working with people that already had a bunch of crypto that bought it at like a dollar or 50 cents and then wanted to, to sell it and how to do so tax efficiently. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm not five years old. I shouldn't be, uh, you know, I was, you know, like Johnny, I was in the Ron Paul revolution from back in the day and. I uh, was going all down all those rabbit rabbit holes. And uh, I also do a lot of work with Arthur Diamond Hands. And he said, wanted me to let you know that he is the biggest Johnny Woodard fan. <laughs> so. Shout out to that guy. I talk to him sometimes on Twitter. Yeah, Arthur cool Diamond. I'm totally against that. And uh, can we please cut that out? <laughs> can we please cut that out? Tim. Yeah, I'll get right Tim, on. Tim, it. it's a perfect time for you to come in. We're discussing crypto. Howie thinks it might be in trouble. Johnny thinks it might be in trouble. What do you think? Is crypto done? Stick a fork in it. I mean, I think you have to differentiate between crypto and Bitcoin. And so, I mean, there's a lot of scammers in the space. There's a, I mean, most of these projects probably don't even deserve to exist. And people just making up tokens and doing all this, you know, bullshit yield farming that's going, that was going on. Uh, and a lot of what went on with FTX and Three Arrows Capital, uh, you know, it was, fraudsters and people running businesses you know incredibly unscrupulously and it was the fault of centralization of individuals who weren't acting in best faith and it was those individuals and so what and so that can happen whether you're in crypto or not and so i don't think it's a damnation of the entire crypto industry as much as it's a damnation on 
those individuals involved. But now we're seeing obviously lots of co counterparty contagion. I know now the big fear is, you know, what's going on with Genesis uh, because Genesis had, uh, I think it was like half a billion dollars worth of loans out to FTX. And they also got caught up in the three arrows capital. And then Genesis is that, which actually sort of the funny part about all this is that the story first broke on Coindesk. Coindesk is owned by Digital Currency Group. Digital Currency Group also owns Genesis. And now Genesis is, is potentially going bankrupt on as early as potentially Monday because of the story that their guys dropped about the Alameda balance oh sheet. Oh my so God. That's but, crazy, dude. But Tim, this is like, you just said it, you know, it's, it's not, you can't blame everyone. A few bad apples. This isn't a few bad apples. This is a lot of fucking bad apples, like way more than I thought at the beginning. It just seems to be, it seems like a domino effect right now. Like everybody, um, has their hand in the crookedness. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, when I first came on your show, I think I was actually your first guest, uh, if you don't yes. count Chris Neff as a guest, because he ended up being a co-host. <laughs> so, no, we, no, he was a key, he was a co-host, but uh, on, and also you guys first, yeah. No, I, I love, you know, his touch, but I mean, and everything else. But anyways, <laughs> with with everything that's going on, I mean, it's, it, it's yeah, there are bad, but there's always people trying to chase whatever the next big thing is. There's always people trying to chase what's the next Bitcoin. And if your entire modus operandi and reason you're in something is you're in it because you want to get rich, well, it's easy come, easy go. And so, I mean, no offense to, to uh, Sam and the Shiba Inu army, but a lot of people are in that to get rich. And so if you're in it to get rich, well, then once you get rich, then everyone is going to want to dump their bags at the same time. Well, there's little people in Bitcoin who are in Bitcoin and never want to sell it. And so when I first came on, I was more of a crypto guy than I was a Bitcoin guy. Uh, and I was always sort of against a lot of the Bitcoin maximalists. But, you know, I think that they do have a point with, you know, a lot of the crap that's going on. So, you know, and this is not investment advice. Since I am a financial advisor, I've got to give those provisos, you know, do your own research. I mean, er the first thing everyone should do is their own research on anything. Uh, I don't have a compliance approved yet, so it's not out, but I did create a crypto course because the first thing you should do is get knowledge. And if you're in this space and you own crypto and you don't know how to go onto a hardware wallet, you don't know what a paper wallet is, then you know you should only have money that you're willing to lose into that because you should know what you're getting yourselves into. And the problem is it's, you know, everyone wants to see like, hey, what coin if I have a hundred dollars and I put it on Coinbase, what which coin can I get that will give me the most amount of you know, tokens. And so, you know, it's a very easy come, easy go situation. Whereas with Bitcoin, it's like, hey, I don't, if I have a hundred hours of Bitcoin, I'm buying, you know, 0. 0.0000 whatever Bitcoin, uh, but I can buy, you know, 5,000 of this or that. And so people are drawn to the amount of units. Uh, but, you know, it is easy come, easy go. There's, and people are also not aware of, you know, uh, like how come this price is, you know, 20,000 and this price is 30 cents, like the 30 cent one must be cheaper, but they don't look at market cap and how, what the total supply of the coins are. And so there's lots of pitfalls that people find themselves in. And, you know, and anytime there's a place that's making a lot of money quickly, it's going to draw in the scammers. And so I remember going to crypto conferences in early, like in 2017, before it all took off and it was all like super legit, like 200 IQ type dudes. And then you go, uh, into one of these conferences when it's at the mania and it's, you know, all these basically used car salesman type people who are, you know, would push your grandmother <laughs> off a cliff to go. Yeah, get but let me stop you, man. Let me stop you because, uh, old Sammy boy, the head of FTX, he was a 200 IQ dude too. 
And now he's on the lamb. He's on the run. Well, he was also a fake liberal. And we, you know, we here, you know, don't really like all these fake liberals who, you know, effective altruism of how they can give away a bunch of people's money. And he was also, you know, very tied in with, uh, you know, the, obviously the, the Democratic Party. He was very tied in with uh, the SEC. So Alameda, the Alameda Research, their CEO, Caroline, which was his girlfriend, her dad was the one that gave Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC, his first job. Gary Gensler. Now, I have to be careful because Gary Gensler is like literally the only person that could like take away all of my income because uh, he's the head of the SEC. Uh, but he also was when he was running the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, his former boss was uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, John Corzine, who was the head of MF Global. MF Global just walked away with all their clients money. That guy never had to do a perp walk, never got in any trouble. He was the former CEO of Goldman Sachs as well. And also the uh, senator out of New Jersey. And then he basically did what FTX did, but on like the non-crypto version of that, never faced a perp walk, never faced nothing. Uh, to my knowledge, I think the dude got off scot-free and all this. So, you know, there's bad actors everywhere. And and the people that got, the crypto anarchists that got into this in the beginning as sort of like an FU to the Federal Reserve and trying to get away from central banking, you know, they are completely worlds away from the Sam Bankman freed, you know, fake altruist over there. Uh, you know, and, and I immediately didn't like the guy when I saw that video of him, uh, you know, months ago where it was like, oh, this is the world's most generous billionaire. And look at yeah. him just with yeah. Yeah. Handing out $100 to this homeless guy. And he drives a Toyota Corolla. Like, well, wasn't he also it. one of the ones offering to bail out everybody at Celsius? Remember that? How he was like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll be happy to take a loss to help the people get their money back. Like, wh who are you? Whose money were you paying them with? That's what I would love to know. Oh, and and Voyager and uh, and a few others and so basically what they're doing is they're minting their FTT token using which they owned most of it and since they controlled most of the float they were able to effectively kind of manipulate what the uh, market cap of that was and then they were using that as collateral to then make loans against and then they flat out basically stole their client money at FTX to make things whole over at Alameda uh, but they did have and and part of it was I think that basically without CZ being the, uh, the head of Binance, without him basically torpedoing uh, what was going on at, at FTX, I think they were setting up FTX to basically be like the oligopoly, monopoly system in America where everything gets to run through them because they're funneling money back to the Democratic Party. They've got ties with the SEC. Uh, I mean, both of their, I think Caroline and Bankman Freeds, both of their parents were like compliance lawyer, tax lawyer professors. Uh, so yeah. it's just yeah. sort of crazy. Well, here's a question for you because you know, we, we don't, we haven't told the readers what you do. You, you're, you have your CFP, correct? Yep. Certified financial planner. So, yep. so basically you, you did what I did. I, I worked for a, a private client group and we would, it's simple. We gather assets, same thing you do. And you know, somebody gives you five, $10 million. You want to allocate that, you know, in certain sectors, uh, fixed income, real estate, whatever. But you want that thing diversified across the field so that if, you know, one area takes an ass beating, the other one pulls you back up and nobody, you don't, you don't lose anything. So here's my question. Tom Brady and Giselle probably in my estimation had probably five, six, seven guys like yourself. Um, I'm sure they did. Most of those people have a few different advisors. So I'm Tom Brady and I come to you and I say, you know what, man, 
that 350 mil that you got invested for me, it's done pretty well. You know, you're doing eight, 10% every single year. I'm happy with you. But I got this deal, man. This guy, this kid, Sam Bankman, man, he's telling me if I take that 350 million and I put it into FDX, it's going to be worth 4 billion in three years. How the fuck do you talk him out of that? I mean, you know, I know it's the dumbest shit in the world. I don't care what happens. Um, but somehow he talked his advisors into doing it. I mean, how does this happen? Well, first off, I'm not entirely clear if he actually put money up to do this or if it was or if he was then given equity to be the pitchman or spokesman. So I don't really know how much of his own money he put into it as much as he was then getting paid to do these gigs in either like FTT or in crypto. Yeah, so he may I not say, have actually put Well, according according to everything his wife read, left him. His wife left him right According to everything top. we read, it was northwards of four, five, six hundred million that he and his wife both put in from their private wealth. So that's what we're reading. Who knows if it's true or not? But I understand what you're saying. That's like his entire CBS uh, contract, right? Yeah. Basically maybe she, maybe CBS. Giselle's like the contrarian indicator of the tops. Because I remember, like, didn't wasn't she getting paid like one of the first people to demand getting paid in euros? Back when that was like at its like absolute peak as well, she was the, and then you know, so she maybe was she's the like number the, one uh, model on planet Earth. She was worth three times as much as Tom was, but yeah. the rumors that you read about the amount of money that both of them put into FTX was hundreds of millions. And my whole thing is, for them to do that, they had to have gone to their financial advisors, their team, their private client group, whatever, and said, guys. You know, uh, you've been great. You've done a super job, but we want to take 70, 80, 90 percent of what we have and we want to put it here. Um, and that to me is mind blowing. That just blows my mind. I mean, because I'm, if I'm his financial advisor, I'm I'm tackling him. I'm like, Tom, you can't do this. You just cannot Tim, me, do this. This Tim, is the dumbest you shit you've ever done. Let me ask you a question. You're you're my financial advisor. OK. And. I want to invest with a guy who has that haircut. Any any kind of alarms going off with a guy with that kind of haircut uh, asking me to invest all my money. Yeah, I think every alarm bell in the world is going off at that point, <laughs> especially when they're talking about being these you know effective altruists, and I just want to you know drive a Toyota Corolla, but never mind the you know three hundred million dollars worth of real estate we own in the Bahamas. Yeah. You know, so it's just like a typical limousine liberal type thing where it's, you know, look over here at my Toyota Corolla that's 10 years old, but don't look at my, you know, $300 million empire of real estate over there. So, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, par for the course, what you see, you know, all, all the time. But, you know, one thing I did want to, you know, talk about in terms of like things some readers can do, because obviously it's been a very, very tough year, uh, you know, unless maybe you're listening to Howie on the Patreon, but, you know, for everyone that does have assets that did lose money, um, you know, I know you guys have talked about IRAs and have talked about Roth IRAs before on the show before. So with a so with a Roth IRA, it's after tax money and any gain there can grow tax free. You get to take the money out tax free. Some other asterisks with that it has to be there for five years. Uh, and so you know, if you got into something, so anytime you're really trying to take a flyer on something, something you think that can you know really be like a banger for you in a portfolio, if you put that inside of a Roth IRA and it ends up, you know, exploding in value, then that's a tax-free gain. Now, one thing that you can do that last year, the Democrats actually tried to stop this. And uh, because they were all actually pissed off that Peter Thiel had like a multi-billion dollar IRA. Uh, so one thing that, that you can do is you can do a Roth conversion. So you, so let's say you had 
an asset that went down, you know, quite a bit in your IRA, you can then take that specific asset, can pay taxes on it now, and then convert that to a Roth. And so, uh, you know, and another thing that I, you know, have my hands in as well is, is Bitcoin IRAs, where you have actual crypto, like actual Bitcoin, Ethereum into IRAs, obviously goes without saying that you should know what you're getting yourself into and, you know, not you know, have, you know, the knowledge of, you know, the space and also have the time horizon and not just, you know, YOLO and put everything into this. But, uh, but for people that do have, you know, a portion of their retirement into crypto or want to get it into crypto, you can do it inside of a Roth IRA. And so if you already have, let's say crypto already have a big position that, that went down quite a bit, you can then, you know, basically make the best out of that, pay the taxes now, which obviously, you know, no one wants to pay taxes, but then when it goes up, so let's say, you know, we get the day where Bitcoin is a quarter million dollars or is a million dollars. And I'm not necessarily wishing that that, day, that that day comes quickly because that day is also going to mean that there's going to be homeless in the streets, obviously, you know, already going on. There's going to be, you know, massive food shortages, food riots, energy crises, you know, literally the blood in the streets. And so when that million dollars, so it's, it's like, be careful what you wish for, because I think eventually the dollar is going to lose reserve currency status eventually after it gain, you know, after it keeps, you know, gaining, um, there's something called the dollar milkshake theory, where I actually did think the dollar would get stronger before it collapsed. It's sort of what we're seeing right now, but, uh, you know, it's come down quite can, a bit though. What's up? It's the dollars come down quite a bit over the past month. Yeah, yeah it has, but in the, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, looking on like a one year time, one, two year time horizon, still up quite a bit, but you can do a Roth conversion where, and then also, Anyone that owns their own business, and I know that Howie has talked about this before, you can do SEP IRAs. You can also do individual 401ks if you own your own business, have your own LLC, where you can sock away. It's almost like it's close to $60,000 a year that they let you yeah. put in. It's like right yeah. around there. Uh, yeah. So you get to put in the employee contribution, uh, which is 20500 Next year is 22500 as the employee. But since you're the only employee, you're, you can also then put in an employer contribution, like a matching contribution. But since you're the only person, you're matching to yourself. And so it's basically it's a loophole to get in, like, instead of only having like $6,000 a year going into an IRA, you can have like 60,000. Uh, now there's other loopholes too, where there's, uh, you know, because a lot of people come to me and say, Hey, Tim, like I have people that make $700,000 a year that contribute to a Roth IRA, because there's a backdoor way of getting into a, it's too bad Neff isn't here for the backdoor way of how to get into. Ah. Uh, so, sorry, I know I, I shouldn't make fun of why he's not here, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it actually it actually is called the backdoor Roth, and so it it basically there's a way where you can get into a Roth IRA regardless of your income. Now it's only works really cleanly if you don't have. Uh, like a really big IRA to begin with. So if you don't have it, so if, if everything's in a 401k and then you start an IRA, there's ways without getting into all the minutia, there's ways where you can get into it, you know, regardless of income. So that's one of the things that the readers can do. Uh, you know, so if you're in a position that, that went down a lot, or you're looking to get crypto into an IRA, you know, or, you know, specifically like Bitcoin or Ethereum, like you, like now is the time you want to do that when it's at a beating, like anyone could talk about, you know, crypto when it's, and, and I have not made videos really since, uh, February, because I am worried about what is going on in the world. And I've just started my own homestead out here and, uh, you know, just ordered 25 chickens to get in the greenhouse and getting everything oh, all ready and rainwater and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, to me, that was more important than pumping out videos. But I was pumping out video after video after video when Bitcoin was at like $3,000 after it had fallen in 2018, saying this is going to come back and be a multi-trillion dollar uh, thing. And so I was not willing to put videos out when it was at the absolute doldrums. And so it's, you know, it's easy to put out videos when, you know, it's ripping at 60,000. It's much harder to tell people, Hey, 
you know, the time to get into something is when no one wants to get into it. And so there is something called the fear and greed index, where basically the more fearful it is, is usually the better time to get in. And right now we're, we're showing extreme fear in that index is a 22 on a scale of zero to 100. And so anytime it's basically below like a 10 or you're in the teens, you're in extreme fear, you know, we're not catching the bottom. We don't know if it's the absolute bottom or what, but you know, that is a relatively good time to get in and a relatively bad time to get in is when it's at like an 80 or a 90 or 95. And it's an yeah. extreme mania and nobody, and nobody wants to, I got a few people that did crypto IRAs with me when it was at like 3000, 4,000 bucks. No one by and large wanted to do this, but when Bitcoin's at, you know, 60,000, everybody's calling me to get in and nobody, did anybody sell? Did anybody sell when it was at 50, 60? So I do have people, like I said before, who, uh, you know, we do charitable trust as well. So they were able to take, uh, you know, a low cost basis asset, put it into a charitable trust, bypass all capital gains. They pay an income stream to themselves. Uh, and so that's why like these guys in Warren Buffett and all these, all these billionaires are like, oh, we gave away all of our money. They literally... It costs them more to not give away their money than yeah, to give away their money because of how the tax code is structured. And they're giving it away by and large to themselves until they die and the remainder then goes to charity. And so that is one thing that I did help you know people uh, you know set up. I was trying to get that people to do that in like late 2017. And unfortunately, no one wanted to listen to me when Bitcoin was at 20,000 the first time. And so, you know, just zooming out, you know, this is a space I've, you know, followed since it was like a dollar. And so in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's still, I mean, if you would have told me three years ago, you'd have, uh, well, FTX, I'm not even sure if it was even around three years ago. Uh, you know, you'd have the third largest crypto exchange collapse. You'd have Celsius collapse. You'd have Voyager collapse. You'd have BlockFi collapse. You'd have a $40 billion blowout in something called Luna. Uh, and then crypto would still, Bitcoin would still be like 15,500. Most people would have said that would be still be a pretty good win if you zoom out like where we really are in this. And because what you have to keep in mind is that a central bank digital currency is coming. It is around the corner. You have a hundred central banks around the world are actively working on this. There's only 12 uh, countries right now that have postponed their plans on this. So you anyone could type in, uh, it's, atlanticouncil.org slash CBDC tracker. And then you can then see all the countries that are actively trying to implement this. And I did an entire presentation that float when you know Sam was there and on the CBDCs and what is coming. And so they're, I know this is maybe not the podcast for it, but they're going to use some sort of problem reaction solution to then try to basically come in as a saviors with this basically government version of, you know, you know, Bitcoin, like the, what we call like a fed coin dollar. And at that point they're going to have everyone by the balls and you're not going to be able to really kind of escape the system. And it is going to be the mark of the beast. And, and they wasted absolutely no time in 2020 during the pandemic to immediately start coming out with bills. Like they had bills coming out in like March and April, the very first cares act for the $1,200 uh, was actually supposed to be in paid in a federal reserve coin uh, the, the first version of that text with the, uh, Maxine Waters version of that bill called for paying that in a, uh, basically in a fed coin. And so that was just a trial balloon since I was the only person that bitched about it. You know, it looks like they're going forward with it. Uh, and so, it, so most people have no idea this is coming. Actually, I was pitched to invest into FTX about a month ago. I was speaking at a conference where it was myself and then one of Anthony Scaramucci's guys at Skybridge. And, and uh, Skybridge was trying to uh, pitch me on their private FTX thing that they had. And uh, I asked that room. So this is at an alternative investment conference. At, I was the speaker on a crypto panel at an alternative investment conference. So first off, most financial advisors are not at an alternative investment conference. Then most of them are not going to a crypto panel. I asked that room, 
show of hands, how many of you know what a CBDC is? Do you guys want to take a guess what percentage of that room maybe raise their hands? I'm going to go zero. Yeah, maybe maybe 10% raise their hands. Now, this is at an alternative investment conference at a crypto panel, and only 10% knew what a CBDC is. It means that their clients aren't asking them about it. It means they don't even know about it. And the 10% that did raise their hands sort of just put their hands up to not look stupid to everybody else because they didn't want to look like they didn't know what was going on. And so I would venture to say it probably is closer to Sam's 0% because I'm not even sure if I trust those 10% that raised their hands. Um, and so this is not on anyone's radar, but you know this is coming. And so it's, it's more of like a macroeconomic zoom out to you know a 100,000 foot view of things going on. And the 100,000 foot view of things going on is that they are trying to bring in a totalitarian system where they're going to track, trace, surveil everything and issue a Fed coin, then issue basically every other uh, you know major currency around the world is going to be digitized and through the blockchain. And so the blockchain can provide you know a, you know absolute freedom, or it can provide you know slavery, just like a gun can be used to kill you, or it can be used to save your life. And they're in the government and the bad guys are going to use it to basically lock everything down. And so that's why I'm still bullish on where Bitcoin's going ultimately, because ultimately, if your only choice is you can have uh, you know a Fed coin, or you can have uh, you know, Bitcoin, and they can only print 21 million Bitcoin ever, which, you know, only about another two and a half, three million ever coming out. Whereas Fedcoin overnight, they can print another 10 trillion will willy nilly. Uh, you know, they're going to do it. They printed what about 80% of all the money supply, you know, over a 30 month time period after uh, 2020. So, I mean, they're going to have to do that again. Now, with the rates, they have three months treasury bills that are paying over 4.2%. Yeah. So, you could keep rolling those over, not financial advice in case the SEC wants to come after me and not actually real people like Sam Bankman Fred. But you know, you can roll those over and that's like what, about 16% a year just being in three months treasury bills. A lot of the US funding is done in like three, four months, one year, two year. I mean, how is the government going to keep paying? Uh, you know, it's one thing to have $30 trillion of debt and pay, you know, 0.25% interest. It's another to have 30 trillion and start paying 4% interest because then it just gives us, but I think the other countries are trying to give us a lot of rope to basically hang ourselves and then come in as the saviors, uh, to have this CBDC. And that's when Bitcoin, in my opinion, is going to take off, but they could derail it and have other things like, uh, you know, operation cyber polygon or not to get too much into tinfoil hat land, but, uh, we love it. Yeah, but you know, I understand what you're saying, you know, but but in in nobody, especially me, nobody wants the government involved with fucking anything to do financially because over the, in the past what, 100 years they've tend to fuck things up pretty quickly. Uh but my thing right now is it seems to me like with this decentralized uh philosophy with Bitcoin, uh individual greed is fucking killing it. It's, I mean, it, it really is. It's like, you, you know, forget about the government coming in and screwing things up. These individual companies, uh, different coins, uh, different holding, uh, you know, like Celsius and things like that. Jesus, they're, they're sticking it. To, it seems like they're sticking it to their own people. And I think you you talked about, you know, decentralized. Well, the thing that you, uh, I guess, failed to mention is that these are all centralized things. So Celsius was a centralized uh, you know, entity. Voyager was a centralized entity. FTX was a centralized entity. And so the real way to get into Bitcoin is to, you know, buy yourself a hardware wallet or do a paper wallet type deal. And then, you know, you buy the crypto and then you move it off the exchange immediately and doing things the right way. And so I don't know if I have, you know, somewhere and like, and there's like really clever ways that you can, you know, store your private keys and do all sorts of crazy stuff. And so, that is not necessarily a failure of Bitcoin. It's a failure of centralized exchanges. And Bitcoin was created to remove the middleman. And really, you know, and people are 
worried that like or upset that middleman effed up when Bitcoin was created to really get rid of that middleman. Um, and so I don't, and, and just like, I mean, the internet early, early days, you know, tons of scammers, you know, on the internet, tons of, you know, pet.com type things. And, so if I'm buying Bitcoin, you're saying I should buy it, move it to my own specific private wallet versus say, buy it on Coinbase and just leave it on Coinbase. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's unless, you know, you, uh, don't trust yourself or, you know, uh, and you know, are you, you know, think you're going to get drunk one day and just flash around your private key or, or, you know, text it to everybody. Unless you, unless if you trust yourself, then yes, I would do it that way. Uh, because ultimately then if something messes up, only you are to blame. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, having it where you hold on to the private keys is the ideal way to do that. Now in retirement accounts, it might not necessarily be, you know, that feasible to be able to do it that way. But, you know, and so then you have to do a lot more due diligence, you know, what's, you know, what's going on and, who, you know, your counterparty risk is, but, you know, a lot of people wanted to make, like, I have a client that, I mean, I don't even want to, I mean, lost probably eight figures in Celsius. And, uh, you know, and I had told the person that, you know, Hey, if you're one of the sayings that I don't know, I'm not sure who is credited saying this, maybe, maybe how he knows, but you know, the, the old saying, you know, picking up pennies in front of a steamroller. And so if you're picking up, you know, four or 5% yield on Bitcoin, but you think it's an asset that over a long period of time can go up hundreds of thousands, hundreds of percent, uh, you know, what, what is that four or 5% going to do for you when, you know, you think that this could go to infinity when the dollar collapses. And so you want to hold on to those private keys. And if anything, I think this is just going to make the space even stronger. And probably the bigger collapse of everything was when Mount Gox went down. Uh, you know, I think it was like 2013, 14 ish. Uh, you know, that is, was, I think a much bigger thing, but you know, every time, you know, the space does learn, but you know, people, it's always easy, come easy, go. And they want to get into, you know, whatever the next new big, hot yeah. new thing is, yep. what's going to be the next new Bitcoin. And if, and if your reason, and I'll ask people like, Hey, why are you in XYZ token? Well, I want to make a bunch of money. And if everyone's in it to make a bunch of money, well, okay. Well, once it goes up, then they all sell. Um, and I mean, I remember at one point, I mean, Cum Rocket was worth almost a quarter of a billion dollars. Was worth over a quarter of a billion dollars. My Cum Rocket is worth over a, Man, a quarter what a billion great dollars. Time that was, huh? We were young, yeah. full of hope. Everybody had some Cum Rocket, and we were just enjoying life. But you bring up something very interesting, Tim, yeah. and that is that if they do go with this digital currency of the Fed. It might be a really good idea to also have Bitcoin there because most likely they'll have to exist together, right? In some weird kind of way. Like if they're going to put this Fed coin and you have Bitcoin, there's going to be room for Bitcoin as well. I mean, am I wrong on that? Yeah, so they're probably going to then, I mean, I think no one said, you know, getting through the Great Reset is going to be easy or going to be fun. And so there's going to be a lot of attacks on this space. And so... What I you know expect to happen is that you know when they launch Fedcoin, that maybe there's some other attack that they launch on Bitcoin or Bitcoin then plummets and then everyone's in the regulators in Elizabeth Warren says, see, this is why you know you guys should be in the US dollar Fedcoin version of this or the Treasury backed version of this, and then try to place a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt because people are gonna say, Oh, if you want one that can lose 80%. And yeah, anyone listening, Bitcoin at any given time can lose that much money. And so this is not my first, you know, rodeo in the crypto sphere, whereas people that just came in, uh, you know, in 2020, 2021, you know, they're getting that lesson now of, you know, what, what can happen. Now, I thought it was probably gonna go up a little bit more before it ended up collapsing. But you know, trying to time this stuff is impossible. But I think to Stan's point, they are going to use the having the Fed coin as some sort of excuse to 
you know, basically then have an all out regulatory attack on Bitcoin or they use Bitcoin as sort of like the globalist. Now, this is also getting more into tinfoil hat land of how, you know, when you start looking at these second and third layer, uh, you know, solutions, I'll use an air quote. And when you have things like Lightning Network and then you start looking into who funded Lightning Network and their ties to the Bilderberg Group. Uh, and we're not even talking like very far hops away. Uh, but that's probably more for like another type of sh show. Uh, but ultimately, they are going to, you know, try to use this problem reaction solution to get themselves in, you know, complete control over everything. But, you know, they're not gonna be able to stop it. Just like they tried to stop people from breathing. They didn't stop me from breathing in 2020. Like, oh, you got to wear a mask. I didn't, I didn't wear any mask. And Interesting. Didn't, uh, and so people are not going to listen. And just like, remember being in college and they banned, uh, like the, that one drink for loco. Well, guess what? Everyone went out and just bought a shitload of that for loco, which was, you know, terrible. And I remember going to a Syracuse game, uh, definitely having way too many of those and almost getting kicked out of there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure Howie's looking at me like, yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've been asked to leave a few establishments. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah, you try banning something, it makes it sexier, gives it more of an appeal, makes people want to get more into that. And so, effectively the government can't ban bitcoin you know they can try all they want uh they can try to overtake it they can try to attack it you know i could get into why they wouldn't be successful but uh yeah ultimately they are they're going to launch this and ultimately i mean right now i mean if you read uh klaus schwab's COVID 19 the great reset page 72 to 75 is called the fate of the u.s dollar and they talk about how they're going to actually um you know Basically, because of the weaponization of the U.S. dollar and the fact that we get to print the world reserve currency, it's not fair to everybody else and how the, they're basically trying to get away from the dollar as a standard. I mean, Klaus Schwab dedicated an entire subsection of the book telling you about this, like what they're trying to do. Uh, and now the, he didn't necessarily. And they also, you know, we're and then, you know, Yuval Harari is out there, you know, constantly talking about CBDCs and what they're going to be doing with this. And now I to Full disclosure, I only came, I had a meeting right before this and Sam asked me right before that to come on. So I didn't like fully prepare for all this, it but they great, are, bro. you crushed it. But yeah. they are trying to so. launch the CBDC come hell or high water. And like, you even have like the world government summit uh, that was going on, you know, I think back in like April at worldgovernmentsummit.com. One of the opening speakers was Klaus Schwab. The very next address was called, are we ready for the new world order? And the people involved in that were, uh, I've got actually they got this one right in front of me. It's the it's the president of the Atlantic Council. The Atlantic Council are the ones who have that, um, who have that uh, uh, CBC tracker. It was also Pippa Melgram. She's all she like her dad was involved in Nixon administration when they got us off gold and just all sorts of other you know, you know bad characters that are in there. So they're trying to get this. And then there's, there's another guy named Augustus Carstens, who is this like 500 pound central banker in the out of the bank of international settlements so the bank of international settlements is the central bank of central banks it's its own country in zurich uh switzerland sort of like the vatican no one ever talks about it so that way they can't be audited they can't be now that's a tinfoil hat show right there is bank of international settlements let's do so it the, let's do so it. the dude that runs it is literally 500 fucking pounds and at one point he was running a thing on inflation and food scarcity i'm like you ate all the food like you're 500 like you got a guy that's 500 pounds talking about food scarcity and one of his quotes is 
we don't know who's using a $100 bill today and we don't know who's using a 1,000 peso bill today. The key difference is with CBDC is the central bank will have the absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that expression of central bank liability and will also have the technology to enforce that. So they want to know exactly what you're doing. They want to be able to shut you down. They want to be able to tie it into like a Bill Gates, like 666 patent he has where you're walking around and they pay you some sort of cryptocurrencies. And they're trying to basically set up a digital dictatorship and, uh, and in every day they're progressing more and more and more towards this. But, you know, but to give you guys, you know, some actionable items, you know, there is that Roth conversion where you can make, you know, the best out of the situation. So if you have equities that are way down, you know, you can go and get into that. Another thing I'd like to talk about quickly is something that's more like vanilla plain would be, uh, you know, the bond market. So there's something called interest rate risk. And so, you know, let's pretend this is a teeter totter. So if you have interest rates going up 1%, uh, so when interest rates go up, the underlying prices of bonds go down. So if you have a 20 year duration bond and rates go up 1%, your underlying value, the bond goes down by 20. So your million bucks is now 800,000. Rates go up 2%. Now you're down a little over 40%. And so there are people that were in what they thought were safe things that have gotten absolutely annihilated because this has been like the worst period ever for like a 60, 40 portfolio, 60% stocks, 40% yeah. bonds. It's Terrible. never been worse because the safe things, the places where people go to hide, they all got decimated. And I've been talking about this for over a decade. And, and yeah, I was early to the party, but you know, hey, you're making 1% a year for 10 years. Okay, maybe you made 13, 14%. Well, boom, all that was wiped out in the span of like a few months this year. And I actually had a question in 2016 that made it to Janet Yellen. So I had a congressman who had said, um, Congressman David Schweiker's like, hey, I'm about to go interview Janet Yellen. Anyone, anyone have a question? And so he picked my question. And I was like, well, Janet, if you say that rates are going up to 4%, then and most of your bond portfolio is only collecting one. So you're collecting one, you're paying out four, you're losing three. So instead of making money, you're actually going to be losing money. Are you going to send the treasury a bill? And she laughed at my question and said that it was an impossibility. Well, guess what, bitch? Now you're actually losing money. At the, now she's at the treasury saying, oh, I can't believe we're losing money and the Fed's doing this. Well, I told you that that was going to happen as a 30-year-old six years ago, knowing that that was going to happen because you said it was a, and said it was going to happen, but eventually that was going to happen. So the last point I want to bring up is there's something else known as sequence of return risk. And that is the notion that it is, when it comes to retirement specifically, so this doesn't matter for like a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old, this is like people that are like 65 years old. It doesn't so really matter in retirement what your average return is as much as it matters what the order of those returns are. So, you know, I, and I do have like a little graph up here. So I'm, I don't have, I'm not like Rain Man with this memorized. So, you know, if you're pulling 4% a year and your portfolio goes down 30%, you've got to go up 63% uh, basically to get back to even over the next three years. And so, I mean, and so most people just don't like ever factor this in. Now, I also have another scenario where it shows investor A and investor B Investor A starts off with three bad years, then seven good years. Investor B, it's just the inverse of that. So like the mirrored exact mirror of that. So they both start off um, with the same amount of money. And so I haven't looked at this one in a while. And like I said, I just came on right before this. So uh, basically what it's showing, they both start off with, uh, you know, they both start off with a million bucks. They both average 5.1%. They're both taking out 50 grand a year. And investor A, since he started off with three bad years, after 10 years, he has $630,000. Investor B, has $1,074,000. They both average the exact same, but it all has to do with that order of return. The first seven dollars. years, are, the first few years are so important with the compound interest. Um, to, to stop you real quick, uh, 
I mean, you're talking about interest rates. You're talking about, I mean, it's the first time, you know, we see the crossover the two years ahead of the 10 year, which is a little bit insane. Uh, but I mean, to me right now, I think this is the best time since 2009 to invest in um, high yield bonds. I mean, high yield right now to me is like mouthwatering. You uh, you know, you, you, you can buy high yield bonds right now um solid companies yielding five six seven eight percent and get the appreciation i mean i just i've been looking at those for the past three four months i just think uh i think it's a pretty good value right now high yield corporate bonds so i have always been against bonds and i actually had to call up the uh, td ameritrade like trading desk to figure out how to place like an individual bond order because i yeah. just like never done it because basically my entire career the bond market was shit and there was nowhere to go and so just recently for full disclosure uh, and again, you know, you know, I guess, uh, you know, everyone do their own due diligence on this, but you, if you can get a three month treasury, I'm on uh, trading economics right now, three month treasury, 4.31%. So you can just keep rolling that over. You're in a U.S. treasury that's fully liquid. And then you're getting over 16% a year for just being in a treasury. Now there is some risk to that. And obviously I'm not a big fan of the government. And on the one hand, I'm talking crypto and the other hand, I'm talking treasuries, which are like, about the complete opposite of each other. Um, but you know, it is important to have dry powder. And I did start this year with, you know, quite a bit of dry powder. Dry so powder, baby. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Dry powder. That's all we talk about on here. Kids are talking about the dry powder. The dry powder. Yeah. The kids are talking about the dry powder. So I, so my problem with the high yield bonds is, I mean, I, I haven't done really the due diligence on that, but you know, if you're looking at getting you know, 4% in a three month treasury bill versus 5% in a, you know, basically a junk bond fund. So, I mean, that's what high yield, you know, are the junk bonds. Uh, you just, I, now there were so many companies that were zombie corporations that were just floating by being able to make their interest payment. Um, but now that you're in a situation where interest rates are much higher, you know, the, the risk of that is that there could be a default risk of some of these companies uh, not being able to make their nut. It, but, and so I just thought for me, I'm not really in, these as like a way to really to make money as much as I'm in a way to like save, protect money that's going down. So that's my, you know, safer route, but you know, for anyone that's close to, and, and the advice for someone that's, you know, going to be, you know, 35 versus 65 is going to be, you know, completely different advice and what they should do. And, you know, and, and, but all that starts with knowledge and, you know, knowing what they're getting themselves into. And, uh, and really the last point about that sequence of return risk, cause I do have a real world example of this. So for someone that retired, uh, January of 1969, and this was they had they started off sorry they started off with half a million dollars were withdrawing 4.05 60 40 portfolio they retired in January 1969 by at the age of 31 years later ran out of money now someone that retired in April of 1970 so we're talking I don't know what that is like 15 16 months later uh, after 31 years had about 2.6 million dollars now they averaged the exact same. It's just all had to do with that initial beginning getting walloped. Yeah. So it's just yeah, super, yeah. super important to either have yeah. that dry powder or have income coming in from various sources uh, to be able to cover your nuts. So my my thing was to people that were retiring is that you should have your income covered, but your absolute needs covered, whether it's through you know Social Security or a pension or some are other annuities I like versus some, but that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, you know rental income, something, have some sort of means of, of generating income, then have your other stash. That's more of like the Mad Max scenario where you get, you know, the crossbows and dirt bikes and no, and then the, you know, the silver and yes, the gold. Yes, you're and hitting the, them all. 
and uh you know and so it's ha but you but you need to have that volatility though so but you need to be able to ride out that volatility so if you have the income coming in it doesn't matter if bitcoin is down 80 percent because then you could take some of that income or some of that dry so either ride it out or take the dry powder and then buy more of it and always the best time to buy more of it is is when people are most fearful and when you're most hesitant about doing so you know it's easy to yolo in at 60 it's hard to be out there pumping this and talking about it when it's way down because ultimately i do believe in the space but you should be getting into it the right way, holding on to your private keys. Uh, you know, if you do leave some money on an exchange, you know, don't leave more than you can afford to lose. I think I had like a hundred bucks on FTX. Actually, got really lucky because I took some off of FTX. Uh, I only put it, I only had it on there for like two or three days, but it was in September. So I mean, pretty close to all this, but I put an offer in a house like two days after putting money into FTX and I just took out like almost all of it. Um and left like a hundred bucks in there. So, uh, but yeah, I would have taken that money off anyways, but you know, just the timing of all this stuff. And it was more to do due diligence on, you know, other people that were going to invest in this and seeing, Hey, you know, what's the experience like, how easy is it? Uh, but you know, the only person you can really trust is yourself and holding on the private keys. Is the best way to be able to do it. Jesus. Tim, you crushed it. Where can they yeah. find you? The Liberty Advisor Show .com, uh, is where you guys can find all my media. Then you can find links to potentially work with me there as well. I do a lot of videos with Josh Segerson of Rural Alternative Media. So, you know, we're on Band.video, yeah, Rockfin, all the, all the usual places. So I'll be doing some videos with Josh here again real soon and some of my own videos. Now that I bought the homestead and I've gotten, you know, a few, some gardens and stuff underway and ordered the chickens and stuff, I feel good enough to start making some videos and pumping up my own content. But the Liberty Advisor oh, Show dot com is the best place it. to find me. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's been real. And thanks for having me on, guys. All, all right, right, buddy. Tim, you crush it. Thanks for coming on. Guys, thanks for listening to Cash Daddies. What's your pick, Howie? You want me to do it right now? Yeah. I'm going to stick yeah. with what we're talking about right now. My pick is we're talking about dry powder. Uh, <laughs> if you want to move cash from a money market where it's getting a little more interest, go to HYG. HYG is where you want to put some cash. It's going to gain 5% plus appreciation. Uh, it's the iShares, iBox, and high-yield corporate bond ETF. HYG. All right. Great episode, little different, but we say in the moment, we get weird here today on Cash Daddies. Follow us over to the dry powder mecca that is the patreon.com slash cash daddies and come get weird. Come see me live. Go to savedably.com. Where are you going to be, Howie? I'll be here in New York City uh, all week. Um. My mind just went blank, man, because you got me thinking about the dry powder. I think that was kind of weird. I love that dry powder. Well, no, it was a coincidence. We were talking about dry powder, and then he just, we, you know, that was some weird shit. Tim knows what he's talking about. He's yeah. a young, he does. He does. All right, guys, great show. We'll see you at the Patreon. Come get weird.